Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Ooh, a little Diana Ross for you on a Wednesday, a little Supremes. Welcome back. Nuanas Now. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? You can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Sportsbet Montana and the Advocates. Talked all the way around the NBA draft, the NFL, gave us some wings. And before we put a bow on it, we want to go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in. Good friend of mine. Good friend of the show. Mr. Zach, he's got uh, some feedback on the Rob Gronkowski argument. All right, what do you got? Yeah, so your buddy was right. Uh, I think Tony Gonzalez takes the cake on all time. Um, and then also, it's interesting, and I get he played, I think, like 100 more games than Rob Gronkowski, so I get how that argument goes. But if you're going to go at their peak, how can you disregard Travis Kelsey? I think he's truly the For most sure. athletic tight end in the game now and, you know, rivaled one of those guys like Tony Gonzalez, even Antonio Gates. So, Real quick, um, Tony Gonzalez, all-time leading in receiving yards, second in touchdowns, only to Antonio Gates um, in touchdowns. But I get that what you were saying with the uh, all, the at their peak, and that's more interesting. One thing I want to throw out there real quick is how would you – Rob Gronkowski is obviously the best at what NFL player would you love to have a night out with. Oh, I think yeah. he takes the cake on that. I think Baker's in that conversation, but I'm curious what you think top five guys to go out uh, on the town with, um, and I'll leave you with that. <laughs> Gotta love it. Thanks, Zach. Great call. Nice Great job. info. Love it. Uh, Travis Kelsey is a great example of the transcendence argument because I actually think that Kelsey at his best is better than any of the guys that we just named. He's also more of a game changer. Which NFL guys will do we want to go out with? We will debate that and be back with you to answer that question. But first, Hour 2 Nuanas Now rolls on the ESPN Roundtable. It's presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. A long-form interview each week. We do it here during the 5 o'clock hour each Wednesday. This week, NBA draft-style ESPN Roundtable. We got you started off with some analysis all the way around the NBA. You can find all that and more on the Nuanas Now podcast. We have a little insight into the draft Austin Green, he's a University of Montana alum, a guy who has been a scout uh, overseas 
four NBA teams and a guy that uh, definitely has had his eye directly truly in person on some of these guys in this upcoming NBA draft. NBA draft starts Thursday night. Austin, what's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, I'm good. Excited to be here. Thanks, Colter. First of all, let's start with your background because you're a Montana guy, a University of Montana alum. Uh, our producer, Andrew Houghton, actually was the one that set this interview up and I appreciate him for the suggestion because I think this is going to be a good one. But Andrew actually wrote a story on Austin for the Montana Journalism Review. So those that are unfamiliar with journal uh, journalism reviews. I worked at MJR in college as well, and it's a great publication, just sort of the status of journalism from journalists. But there was a great article about Austin in the uh, Montana Journalism Review a couple years ago. So that's sort of how we got this interview uh, on our docket. But Austin, just tell people about what made you go from getting your print journalism degree to then all of a sudden living in Spain and scouting potential NBA prospects that are international basketball players. Yeah, so basically I've been obsessed with basketball my entire life. Uh, Loved it as a kid, played through high school. In high school, realized that, uh, you know, playing in college and beyond was not going to be an option. So I wanted to figure out how I could stay around the game. Uh, And so, yeah, so I wanted to kind of get into sports media. Went to the journalism school at UM. And then uh, as I was getting close to graduating, basically there were a lot of changes in the journalism industry. friends that I had who had just started jobs were already getting laid off at those jobs and that type of thing. So I was like, I want to do something fun that I'm going to enjoy. I want to travel. So basically I figured out uh, how to get an English teaching job in Spain and uh, knew that I wanted to travel around Europe and, uh, and write about basketball basically and write about, there were, there were a lot of really good European players who were coming over to the NBA around that time. And a lot of the, there, there just wasn't a lot of information on a lot of these guys. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just go over there and I'll be the guy who has the information. So English in Madrid and Sevilla in Spain, uh, Monday through Thursday, I worked at the school. And then on the weekends, um, I would go to like EuroLeague games and Spanish professional games and under 18 tournaments and stuff like that. And just started a website called mostcrossovers.com and uh, built a Twitter following and, and was doing that for a little while and then met some NBA scouts and general managers and stuff over the years of doing that. And, uh, yeah, eventually that, that led to being hired uh, by an NBA team. So, yeah, that was kind of the, the path there, a bit, a bit of an unusual one. But, yeah, it's been great. Well, i got to ask you this, and I'm sure you've already been asked this with the uh, release of this movie, but have you seen the movie Hustle, the new Netflix movie with Adam Sandler? I haven't. I'm really excited to check it out. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's on my to-do list, but it's kind of like, uh, let's, let's get through the draft first, and then, I'll, and then I'll check it out. But, yeah, I'm excited to, to see it. I've heard great things. I heard Anthony Edwards was awesome in it, the uh, young Minnesota Timberwolves star, Adam Sandler, of course, always good. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to check it out. It's just so funny because I know there's probably a lot of people out there that have seen it, probably a lot of people out there that have not seen it. It's only been out on Netflix uh, just since the beginning of this month. I think it came out like June 3rd. But the story you just told is so much like what the story of that is. This could almost right. be like a movie of your life, talking about uh, going around Europe trying to find you know, the next big guy, the next big thing. It's, uh, it's an interesting career track for sure. But, I mean, just from a basketball perspective, that must have been fascinating to see you know, some of the best players in the world that aren't the NBA players. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. So, so I realized kind of the focus of uh, what was going to draw the most interest was like the guys who could potentially be NBA players, right? But those aren't necessarily the best guys in Europe at the time. So it was really uh, in terms of like, you know, the kids who are preparing for the draft are 18, 19, 20 years old. Uh, so they're a bit younger, but the pros who are over there who are 25, 30, 35, like these guys can really play. Like there's a, there's a ton of talent over there. Um, the game is a bit different from the NBA. There's a little more, uh, I guess, structure, you would say. There's more plays run. Like the coaching's really high level. Uh, the atmospheres are crazy. Like there's, there's some countries where they're shooting off flares in the stands and throwing batteries on the court and just crazy, uh, crazy environments and stuff like that. A bit more like a, like a European soccer game. I guess is, uh, is probably the closest comp. So yeah, I went to, um, I, w- I was based in Spain. So most of my experience was there, but I also went to events in, uh, Germany, Italy, Greece, Serbia, Turkey. And so I, I got to see a lot and experience a lot. And that, that was really cool. Cause 
basically the, the way I looked at it was like, if I had all the money in the world or if I knew I was going to die in a year, what would I do? And I was like, Oh, I would probably just travel around and go to a bunch of cool basketball games. And so I was like, maybe I can just try to make a career out of that. And it's, uh, it's worked so far with, with a couple of hiccups along the way. Well, what a great story and uh, what a fun journey for you. Austin Green joining us here on Nuanas Now at ESPN Radio. Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television. Maybe you got the new ESPN Montana app. If you don't go get it, great way to follow along to this show, both live and archived. Austin, a University of Montana alum, a guy who most recently was a scout uh, for the Pelicans of the NBA, and a guy who's going to help us here in just a minute preview this upcoming NBA draft, which gets uh, underway tomorrow night. I got to say, Austin, we actually led this show with some draft discussion, some NBA discussion first about the Warriors and Steph Curry and their respective legacies, but also got into the draft. And it's so interesting to me because I have really gravitated away from following high major men's college basketball. There's a lot of reasons for that, but I think that there's, uh, I don't know, we won't get into me and uh, my soapbox on that subject because our audience already knows. But I also think that there's just this strange scenario going on right now with guys not being able to go from high school and international players having to wait till they're 19, yet so many of these guys are still coming into the NBA when they're 19 and 20, so still very young largely unproven, largely completely drafted based on upside. And so I just feel like sometimes the NBA draft analysis, the first 15 guys, the it's all about potential. It's all about the what if this guy could do this to become a great player, to fulfill that lottery pick status. But it, it's all still a coin flip. There's so few proven and notable and, and recognizable names now. Uh, in the first round, guys that you've just sort of gotten to know uh, during their high school and early college years. But all that said, this is also a huge deal for the NBA. And if you hit on one of those guys, maybe you hit on a guy that becomes an all-time great player. So where are you at with the draft and and specifically the one and done? Because I think it is this omnipresent question and there's been so much talk about it. But what do you think of just this phenomenon lately of – the lottery picks is being filled with so many guys based on almost exclusively potential. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And, and uh, coin flip, I think is a good way to describe it. Cause really what you're doing at the end of the day is you're looking at 19, 20 year old kids. And then uh, a lot of them, you know, come from backgrounds where they don't really have much. And then, uh, and giving them, you know, kind of million, <laughs> couple million dollars from day one and just seeing how they handle to that. And then they become, you know, internationally famous and they've got to deal with the the pressures of social media and all of this stuff. And it's, it's a, it's a really crazy industry and kind of crazy environment to, to come into. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Um, I think the kids who are coming in now, they're, they're so much more prepared for that type of stuff than they used to be though. A lot of these guys, like they, you know, they've grown up with social media and constantly being filmed and their highlights are on YouTube, getting millions of views when they're 16 years old and, they receive media training and just, uh, I, I think today's current NBA stars do such a good job of passing down knowledge and experience and tips and stuff to the kids coming up. So it, it is very interesting, um, from that standpoint. And yeah, it's, it's tough to project, you know, what, what a skinny 19 year old kid is going to be like when he's 25, 26. And, um, a, a lot of what I think maybe the casual fan might not realize is just how much, uh, how much background research goes into this before you draft the guys and, and how important that is, uh, like from, from an Intel gathering perspective. Uh, cause you really need to know like what these guys' personalities are like, what their work ethic is like, how they will handle, uh, you know, getting life changing money at age 19 and 20 and, and suddenly becoming famous. Uh, are there people in their lives who might create problems for them or do they, they have good supportive family structure? Like there's, there's a lot of stuff like that that goes into it that's more than just what you see on the court. So it, it is really a, it's an imperfect science for sure. Um, and yeah, and that, that's kind of what makes it fun though. Like if it, if it was easy, it wouldn't be, a, it wouldn't be so fun, you know? Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely some tough decisions when you're working on not that big of a sample size, not that much information. Um, and then to, to bring it back to the, to the one and done things, I, I kind of just rambled there. Um, basically I, I like the idea of kids not coming straight out of high school, 
because I think that created some problems in the 90s and early 2000s where there were just so many kids who thought they were ready for it, tried to get to the NBA, didn't make it, and then suddenly you're 22, 23, and just kind of out on your own. Uh, I, th- I think it's good that they have to go to college for a year, or now there's um, the NBA G League, the minor league, has a program where they bring in some of these kids. And I think, I think it's good that they have uh, different options and different pathways and stuff like that but they, they can get some more experience. Um, some of them, you know, get exposed a little bit and decide to go back to school, and then that ends up working out well for them. Uh, so in general, I, I like the one and done that it, it kind of, um, yeah, I think, it, I think it limits some of the bad decisions that, that the players and the people around them might make in terms of just rushing into the pros when they're not ready. Um, and I like that they have the, the NIL stuff now so that these kids can make some money that, you know, these, these kids are making millions for their universities, I think it's only fair that they uh, they get a cut of that. But then that's also led to some complete chaos uh, across the across the college landscape as well, where there's uh, you know teams, colleges that are paying a lot for kids to come there, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Uh, I'll say that. Austin Green joining us. He is a University of Montana alum, a guy who's worked overseas scouting for the NBA, and a guy who's helping us. Analyze the NBA draft here on ESPN Radio. It's our ESPN Roundtable. The the uh, NBA draft begins uh, 6 p.m. tomorrow night. It's coming to you from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, so that'll be an interesting uh, atmosphere. And Austin, uh, the the top three picks belong to, in order, the Orlando Magic at one, the Oklahoma City Thunder at two, and the Houston Rockets at three. There seems to be a consensus that the top three players that will be picked in no particular order are Gonzaga's Chet Holmgren, Auburn's Jabari Smith, and Duke's Paulo Banchero. Now, I've seen Banchero live in person at the NCAA tournament this last year. I can't imagine there being a guy that's better as a prospect with his upside and his polish right now, but a lot of different varying opinions on who's going to go where. Seems like the magic might be leaning towards Jabari Smith, who is one of these you know, super high-ceiling, super young guys what do you think of this top three and sort of the order that it might play out in tomorrow night? Yeah, so it, it's interesting. I, I really like all three guys. Um, they're all they're all big, like six ten and above. They're all very skilled. Uh, they're all very different, which is which is interesting as well. I'm actually I, I I think generally what you see is most people have Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith number one, at, at least on the publicly available draft boards and mock drafts and stuff that you see out there. I'm actually with you. I, I like Paolo Bancaro the most. Uh, I saw him live as well in Vegas. Uh, I saw Duke versus Gonzaga in November in Vegas. So I saw Bancaro and Holmgren go head to head. And, uh, and Paolo had 20 points in the first half of that game. He was, he was unbelievable. He's six foot 10, 250 pounds. He has a NBA ready body already. So much skill, ball handling ability, shooting. He can pass. Uh, not the best defender, but I think he'll I think he'll be just fine on that end. And I think offensively he has so much skill. So I, I personally would take Bancaro number one. Uh, but I think the most likely scenario right now is Orlando probably takes Jabari Smith. Uh, a lot of people see him as a as a pretty safe prospect because he's an elite three point shooter, which is one of the most important skills in the NBA these days. Obviously, um, he's six foot ten, good body, like good frame, isn't going to have any problem. Uh, kind of filling out and adding weight and adjusting to the uh, to the professional life from that standpoint, and uh, and he seems like a good kid, good worker, competes on defense, that sort of stuff. So I I think it's probably going to be Jabari Smith number one, and then after that it gets really interesting because Oklahoma City at number two, they're very good at kind of keeping things quiet. Nobody ever really knows what they're going to do, uh, and then and then we'll just kind of see how it goes from there. But yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be a really fun draft night overall. Do you think that there's any chance any of those guys fall out of the top three? Because that seems to be not a scenario anybody's talking about. Yeah, so I actually do think it's possible. This this is another scenario where I kind of differ from some of the consensus uh, media opinions that have been out there, where it's, it seems like everyone has kind of just set these top three guys in stone. I actually really like Jaden Ivey, the combo guard from Purdue. He's uh, six foot four, super explosive, like unbelievably fast 
shifty side to side, has some good passing ability. Uh, I actually, I, I would have him number two overall uh, behind Ben Caro. And I, I think some NBA teams feel that way as well. But it seems like in terms of just kind of what you see in the, uh, in the media landscape, it seems like everyone's painting it as a clear top three with Ben Caro, Holmgren, and Smith. Uh, but I think it's, it's definitely possible that Ivy could be a surprise pick at number two to Oklahoma City. This is the same same front office that drafted Russell Westbrook back in the day, and uh, and that's kind of a, a pretty decent comparison for Ivy in terms of his explosiveness and athleticism, but a little bit more raw from a skill set standpoint where he's not, not the most polished three-point shooter, um, not the best decision-maker with the ball at times, like has, has some room to grow there for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I, I actually wouldn't be shocked if Ivy – breaks into that top three although i think uh i think in general that would that would be a surprise uh to a lot of people because it's kind of been painted as those three guys at the top but um yeah i I wouldn't be shocked if if sam presti in oklahoma city does something a little bit different there and goes with ivy austin green joining us here on the espn roundtable on nuanas now espn radio talking all things nba draft the uh, story that we referenced that andrew wrote about you for the uh, montana journalism review austin uh, reference Christos Porzingis, which is a guy that you got to see and, and interview and, and evaluate in person. Um, Chet Holmgren, it seems like that's the the low-hanging fruit for the comp. I've seen Chet Holmgren once in, in person at the NCAA tournament. Um, could I mean, he he's such a spectacularly odd person to look at just because no one really is built like him. But he has this incredible upside, but we don't really know what it could be or what he could be. What does he need to do? I mean, I think that right now Porzingis is sort of viewed as the, I don't want to say a flop, but the injuries have hurt him and, uh, you know, people aren't talking about him with the reverence like they once did. But is that the cop or where are we at with Chet Holmgren? Yeah, I I think Porzingis is a a pretty decent comp. Um, I think, uh, yeah, so basically for the the listeners, if they don't know, Chet Holmgren, he's 7 foot 1 and 195 pounds. So you can kind of visualize that like this is a very, very thin guy, um, very kind of narrow shoulders, narrow hips, like doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to like put on a lot of muscle or a lot of weight. Uh, of course, he'll grow some. All these guys do. Um, but yeah, very interesting body type. And he, and he plays like a guard. Like that's kind of the other aspect where he has like some guard skills offensively. He can handle the ball really well. He can pass. He can shoot. And then defensively, he's like this elite shot blocker. So he's he's a very very unique player. I don't I've never seen anybody quite like him. Uh, Porzingis was uh, a great shooter and a, and a shot blocker as well, but he didn't have like the ball handling skills that Chet does. Uh, but I think I think I'm I'm really concerned about the potential injuries with Chet. So seeing him in Vegas in that game against Duke, uh, I went back and rewatched it recently, and he he had five really hard falls in that game. And a lot of times injuries occur because you're falling down, you're landing on somebody's foot or your legs are getting tangled up. And I'm, I'm just worried about uh, the way he plays where he's not a, he's not a soft kid at all. Even though he's really skinny, he's a really tough kid. He wants to challenge everything. He wants to block every shot. I'm a little worried that that's going to lead to him just kind of like flying in, landing on people's feet and, uh, and getting his lower limbs tangled up and that sort of thing. Um, and then the other thing is he's just going to get pushed around. Like he'll be playing against NBA guys who are, you know, 240, 250 pounds of muscle and he's going to get tossed around a little bit. So I'm a bit worried about the long-term injury concerns there where I, I think, I think Chet probably does have the highest upside in the draft where if everything goes right, this guy is is a superstar. Like, but what are the odds of it of everything going right? You know, that's something that these teams have to weigh. It's not as simple as just oh, this guy has the most upside. It's like how likely is he to actually reach that upside? And like Porzingis, does he have you know a torn ACL in his second or third season? Does he have some serious lower body injuries that then prevent him from reaching that ceiling and then kind of turn him into a different player? Where Porzingis is still a good player but he's being being paid like a superstar and that's kind of where where the problem comes in um so for chet i'm a li- i'm worried about the injury concerns i have him number four on my personal boards i have paolo one Jaden ivy two jabari smith three and then chet four uh because of that concern but also acknowledging that if things break right he might be 
you know, the best player in the class by far. So it's, it's, uh, it's a very interesting draft at the top because of that reason. Because, uh, again, we've, just, we've never really seen a guy quite like this. Austin Green joining us talking NBA draft. And that's why I'm stuck on Bancaro because I just think that, you know, is he going to be, you know, the next, like, Kevin Durant light? I don't even know what his comp really is. But I guess what I'm getting at, though, is that I, I don't think there's any scenario barring some just crazy, unpredictable catastrophe that Bancaro's not like a 16 to 18 point per game score in the NBA for the next 10 years. And maybe he becomes a 25 point per game scorer, but I just feel like his his floor is so high. He, I, I mean, I just feel like he's going to be able to get buckets in the league day one. I just don't know why he's not the dude that everybody's just surefire talking about. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, and I can tell you uh, that again how just kind of in terms of like what what you see out on uh, ESPN and Sports Illustrated and and stuff like that. Like these guys who cover the draft year round, like they, they do a great job. Um, but a lot of them have Chet and Jabari at number one and Paolo is kind of a distant third, but I can tell you being at that game in Vegas where it was Duke Gonzaga, the arena was full of NBA general managers, guys who are going to be actually making the decision and high pressure environment, 18,000 people in the stands. Paolo goes out there and has 20 points in the first half and does it in like, every way possible he's hitting three-pointers in transition he's crossing guys over and getting to the rim he's he's going through chet and finishing over him and flexing on him he's uh you know hitting turnarounds in the mid-range like he he was just so polished so skilled and i know there's a lot of nba guys who came away from that thinking like you know we could put this guy on our team right now and he could give us 20 points like there's there's uh there's a lot of value there and uh and i, th- I think you're right in terms of him being like the safest pick, the, uh, the, the highest floor where it's like, um, you know, maybe, maybe he doesn't have that, that upside of Chet because he's not going to be the same kind of shot blocker as he is. So he doesn't give you as much two way value, but he's going to be a really good player for a long time. I, I have no doubt about that. It's funny to be in here in Montana and, uh, also covering the big sky conference so heavily like we do, because we get into a, a few different uh, media markets just from the people you follow on Twitter. And, you know, Eastern Washington being in the Big Sky Conference means we follow Spokane. So I get a ton of Gonzaga news. Also, though, Sacramento is in the news cycle because Sacramento State's in the Big Sky Conference. And a lot of the media guys that cover Sac State or even touch on Sac State, more importantly and more frequently cover the Sacramento Kings. And uh, the Kings sit there at four. There's all sorts of narratives and reports that the Kings have maybe been floating a trade. Uh, but it, it, the Kings just seem like this this franchise that hardly ever gets it right when they have an opportunity to, to pick a guy that might be an impact player or they don't get it as right as they could have almost certainly. So where are we at with the Kings at four? Uh, buy or sell, maybe they're trading down. Or if they don't trade down, who do they hope falls to them? Yeah, so they're in a really tricky position. So as you said, uh, a lot of fumbles over the over the past decade and a half for the Sacramento Kings, which uh, hurts me personally because I, I grew up, I was like 9 or 10 years old when they had like Jason Williams, Chris Webber, uh, Peja Stojakovic. Like I, I used to love those Sacramento Kings teams. But they haven't made the playoffs in 16 years, uh, the longest drought in the NBA. Their ownership is, is desperate to turn that around and, and to build a winner. But sometimes those, uh, those kind of short-sighted moves to win now end up hurting you in the long term. So they're in, a, they're in a really tricky position. So it seems like if the top three goes Holmgren, Smith, Bancaro in some order, which uh, most people expect it to, um, then the fourth guy there would be Jaden Ivey, who is very similar to De'Aaron Fox, who the Sacramento Kings already have. And, uh, and there's, there's a lot of overlapping skill set there where, you know, they, they both are speedy guys who need the ball and it's just not sure if they're going to complement each other well. And then also, uh, Ivy is a little bit more of a long-term play, whereas there's guys like Keegan Murray from Iowa, uh, maybe Benedict Matherin from Arizona. There's, there's other more NBA ready guys, uh, who could potentially help them get to the playoffs. So I think a lot of people around the league expect the Kings to trade the pick and uh, but but not move too far down the draft board. I, I think for the Kings, an ideal scenario would be to trade with Indiana at six uh, or maybe Washington at ten, 
or New York at 11 and try to pick up some good current players who can help them get to the playoffs, but also still add a young draft pick. Um, now, that's something that I think might might just blow up in their face because I think Jaden Ivey is going to be awesome. And so if you trade out to just get kind of an average NBA player so you can go get the 8th or ninth or 10th seed and then get swept out of the first round and then you're back in the same spot next year and then you look up in a few years and Jaden Ivey's an all-star, uh, that, that seems like a very Sacramento Kings outcome. So, um, yeah, they're, they're in a difficult spot. I, I think they, they might be wise to just stay there, pick whoever falls to them, and then kind of figure out the rest later, maybe trade Fox. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're in a tricky scenario. It's, it's, very, um, it's very Kings-esque that they get the fourth pick in what a lot of people see as a three-player draft. Austin Green, University of Montana Journalism School alumni, as well as a NBA scout helping us break down the NBA draft. The, the last guy I want to ask you about individually, Austin, you just mentioned Benedict Matherin out of Arizona. And I saw Kate Cunningham in the second round of the NCAA tournament uh, two years ago when they played against Oregon State. And uh, the one thing that Cunningham and Matherin share is when you watch them in person, at least at the college level, when they were each just freshmen, the game looks like it comes so slow to them. They don't ever look like they're going fast. You have to sort of look closer, else you'll assume they're just lazy and going through the motions. But then at the end of the game, I looked up and Cade Cunningham had 27 and Matherin had 31. And so <laughs> these guys can kind of lull you to sleep. Maybe it's just because of the level of competition. But uh, Matherin was a, an interesting guy because he physically looks the part for sure. And uh, he has a couple things in his game that are NBA caliber. But uh, he also, I don't know, I think that he's a guy, it, he seems like the definition of the coin flip guy to me. That's that's what That was my takeaway after watching him, even though he did play really well uh, in the second round when I watched him against TCU. Yeah, I, I really like Mather. I, I think he's a little bit safer than a coin flip, but I, I kind of see what you mean there, uh, where he's not the best ball handler, doesn't have, uh, you know, he's, he's not like going to be a, creating his own shot off the dribble all the time, that sort of stuff. He kind of has to be set up. I, I think he's going to be a little bit dependent on where he goes and what the situation is. Um, so I'm actually, I'm based in Tucson this season. I saw Arizona like 10 or 12 times and, uh, and Arizona runs this, uh, really kind of beautiful offensive system. Uh, their, their head coach was the assistant coach at Gonzaga for 20 years. So he imported a lot of that Gonzaga offense where there's a lot of ball movement, a lot of cutting, a lot of passing. And that put Benedict in a really good situation to where he didn't have to create things on his own. He had guys who would set him up, find him for three-pointers. He'd cut back door and, and get dunks. And he's a really uh, really explosive athlete, uh, jumping especially off of two feet. If he can get a little bit of a runway, he'll go up and dunk on people. As, uh, as you saw in that TCU game, he had like one of the highlights of the tournament where he just absolute, absolutely posterized some guy. So uh, for Matherin, I really like his shooting ability. I like his frame he's a, a strong kid he's not the tallest guy but uh good size for a shooting guard still um but for him i, I think it's going to end up it's going to be a little dependent on, on where he goes um i would actually i would love to see detroit take him at five and pair him with Cade cunningham uh indiana at six i think is a possibility and they've they've got a, a good point guard tyrese halliburton who's really good at setting guys up so I, th I think if he ends up in a situation like that, he'll be in a pretty good spot. Um, but, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Matherin fan for sure. I mean, if he fell to six to get to the Pacers and they did have Brogdon and Halliburton and Quistrate, I mean, that's a pretty good set of guards uh, for sure for the Indiana Pacers. Austin Green joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. It's our ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls is a go-to spot on the south side of town, 3621 Brook Street. They'll have the NBA draft plus any and every other sporting event on as well. So go check out Paradise Falls. Great place for friends and family alike. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 3621 Brook Street, thanks to Paradise Falls for presenting the ESPN Roundtable. All right, Austin, last thing for you then. Um, what is the one thing that might be uh, that might send this first round to in a frenzy? Or, or do you think there's any sort of maybe surprises or, or guys that maybe pop up? I mean, what's going to cause chaos? What's going to make this thing, you know, turn into the entertainment that it always does? I mean, it feels like there's always something that happens that gets people talking and uh, kind of gets the GMs a little bit itchy in the in the draft room. So is there anything that you foresee or any 
order or any sort of trade or any, anything like that that could uh, really ignite this NBA draft tomorrow night? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm super excited for tomorrow. Just from a uh, from a fan perspective, from a drama, intrigue, entertainment perspective, I, I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's such a unique draft where a lot of times there's a clear number one, a clear number two. Uh, this year with the, with the top three, top four, if you want to put Ivy in there, I think that, I think there's going to be drama like from the jump. Basically, it'll be. It's, I think. You know, the betting favorite right now for Orlando is Jabari Smith. Those odds have shifted significantly. And uh, if, you, if you follow betting markets, like sometimes that means everything. Sometimes that means nothing. So Orlando could surprise everyone and, and not take Smith at the top. And then, uh, and then that would just be chaos right off the bat. Again, like I said, with OKC at number two, I wouldn't be shocked if they take Jaden Ivey, which would be a big surprise to a lot of people. Uh, the Kings at four, if they trade with you know the Knicks or the Atlanta Hawks are, are always active in trade discussions and they're trying to get up to number four right now. Uh, that's going to be interesting. The, the Blazers at seven are really interesting to me because they're trying to you know, build, build a consistent winner around Damian Lillard. Uh, so maybe they trade that pick uh, or maybe they keep it and, and take a guy like Dyson Daniels, who I absolutely love. He's somebody uh, I scouted closely in Australia, and then he played with the G League Ignite this year. I, th- I think Daniels is going to be awesome. Uh, there's a kid named Shaden Sharp uh, who we didn't cover who's kind of like the mystery man of the draft, like went, went to Kentucky, enrolled a year early uh, at Kentucky instead of doing his senior year of high school, didn't actually play for them. So guys haven't, NBA teams haven't seen him play for like a year, but he was the number one kid in his high school class and, uh, and has a ton of potential. So, um, you know, he might slip to 10 or 12 and then end up being the best player in five years. So, I think uh, I think it's going to be a really fascinating draft overall. I'm really excited to to see what happens, and and I wouldn't be surprised if there's some uh, some big name current NBA players who do get traded during the draft. Uh, Rudy Gobert's name is out there. That one would surprise me a little bit, but it, but it's possible. And then there's some guys like John Collins at Atlanta, Malcolm Brogdon for Indiana. I, I think there's uh, you know maybe, maybe even DeAndre Ayton with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, there might be some some movement there. I think it's, it's going to be really interesting uh, just to kind of see what happens. And yeah, NBA, NBA never stops, man. International scout Atlas crossovers. You can find them on Twitter and the university of Montana alum, Austin green joining us here on ESPN radio to break down the NBA draft. Thanks, man. This was very fun, very insightful. Uh, you're welcome back to talk hoops anytime, but thanks for taking some time today. Yeah, I would love to. Thanks, Colter. Appreciate you having me on. ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Senior Spotlight coming at you. Drew Klumpf in studio, Missoula Sentinel graduate, multiple-time state champion, headed to the Grizzlies for football. More Senior Spotlight action. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com. So, Montana, welcome back. New on is now ESPN Radio. Maybe you're tuning in on the new ESPN Montana app, or maybe you're streaming on the website. However you're tuning in, thanks so much for being here. Coulter Nuana is coming to you through the Northwest Motorsports studio. Northwest Motorsport, new to Missoula, new to Montana. Find them here in the Garden City at the corner of Stevens and Mount, or you can check them out online, nwmsrocks.com. Our Senior Spotlight Series continues. Missoula Sentinel graduate Drew Klumpf in studio with us. He's just fresh back from the East-West Shrine game. So, Drew, first of all, thanks for being here, man. How you doing? Thank you. How are you? Good, man. First of all, uh, let's start with the here and now. How was last week? Uh, you said maybe a little more practice than you were expecting for a uh, summer All-Star game. Yeah, it was a blast. I mean, a lot of, a lot of practice, two to three uh, a day. And so, you know, I just grind with the new guys that you meet and some of the old guys from Sentinel and the kids you know already so it was it was a lot but it was super super fun well but you're obviously in great shape because you're a great athlete but also you're coming off a track season so you're only a couple weeks out of that but is it hard to shake off the football rust where you sore the first couple days uh honestly not too bad that's I mean, good yeah uh a little like a couple bumps and bruises after you go live a little bit but 
honestly, I think being in good shape really, like, helps you avoid being sore from just, like, running and stuff like that. So, it felt good. The West team uh, was dominant in this game and uh, hung 40 points offensively and uh, had some big plays defensively as well. And a distinctly Missoula County flavor to this team. I think there was eight Missoula guys on the team. He also had a couple guys from Hamilton, a couple guys from Florence. So, a lot of guys from this neck of the woods. Also, a ton of guys that are going to be future teammates of yours with the Montana Grizzlies. So, what did you think of just getting to know some of the guys maybe you hadn't met before? Uh, it was cool. I mean, you know, you spend a lot of time in the hotel with those guys, and you're practicing with them, and you're like, oh, these guys are pretty dang good. And so, uh, it's fun to kind of gauge where you're at, like, skill-wise, and see where those guys are at, and it's really fun to compete with those guys well it, it was uh it was so fun watching you guys missoula sentinel versus billings west the last couple of years because there was so much college talent on the field both sides but it's even elevated when you get to the shrine game right i mean i think pretty much most of the guys that were playing in that game are going to go play somewhere so did you like that just kind of being around a bunch of other guys that are sort of college level football players yeah it was fun i mean it provided a new challenge for me at least you know every time you line up you mean, like, in regular AA games, sometimes, you know, you don't have, like, the star player across from you. So you're like, okay, you know, I can kind of almost relax sure. a little bit or not be super tense and focused on something. But every snap this game was just like, okay, I can't get beat because this guy can take it to the house at any moment. So. A lot of speed on the field in this yeah. game, too. There's a lot of long touchdowns, and uh, it was very fun to watch. Drew Clough in studio with us, Missoula Sentinel graduate, headed to Montana to play football next year. You're a great track guy, too, so we'll start there as far as the uh, high school part of your career. Take us through uh, this last couple weeks of track because you had a couple guys that were rivals of yours in the hurdles uh, for a couple different years in a row now, and uh, I know it was kind of back and forth, but you ended up being a part of a – another state championship for the Sentinel boys. So uh, what was it like? What was the track season like for you? Uh, It was a fun season. I mean – Usually, Zach and I just go at it for the 110s. Zach Cruz, for sure. Yeah, and uh, in the threes, I've been going at it with this kid from Glacier, uh, Caleb Bernhardt. And so, he he got me uh, a couple times this year and last year. And so, uh, you know, going into those races, my goal is just to you know, beat them and hopefully I can uh, win the race. And so, you know, build up, having that competition really helps me get better. And so, uh, I think it helped... Uh, me perform really well at the state state meet. So, which uh, which do you prefer, the short or the long hurdles? I think I gotta take the one tens. I feel like I mean, the, I'm better at the threes. Yeah, you're, you're great at the threes. It's just such a miserable yeah. race. Yeah, I mean, I just get a different kind of anxiety for that race, just because you know I don't get nervous for anything. But the three hundred hurdles, I'm just like, oh god, this is so miserable like just because you know it's gonna hurt so bad yeah and then you finish the, you finish the race and you're lying down and your whole legs are on fire and you're just sitting there and you're like why the hell did i do this yeah. Like, yeah it is funny well i asked bobby Houck this actually on the signing day I, I asked him i said hey there's a couple great hurdlers a couple great long hurdlers in the signing class do you like that he said i love it because you got to be tough to run the 300 hurdles do you, i mean do you think it has been good for you mentally though yeah i mean i think it just helps me take on challenges and you know embrace like even lifting and like grinding every day like doing stuff like that you're like okay i've done much worse you know for track so uh i think it does prepare me just to be better athlete so well that's like coach mettler always says our good friend craig mettler always says you know, the worst thing that's ever going to happen to you if you go out for track is you'll become a better athlete and there's all the great things that happen too but you guys built a so full dynasty there on the track. Your brother, your twin brother, Tanner, is also a, a big part of this. Zach Cruz was a big part of this as well. And a bunch of other really key contributors. But uh, three in a row, pretty darn good. So uh, when you actually think back and reflect on your high school track career, you guys must be, must be pretty proud of what you guys were able to put together. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty surreal. You know, you look back and you're like, not a lot of people have won one. And you've won, I mean, three in track and two in football and then a couple individuals for track. And so it's like... Yeah, I just can't believe, like, how I did that. And so it's really fun, especially doing it with all my friends and my brother and being part of that for track. It's really cool and fun. It's interesting, too, to think Senior Spotlight, Drew Klumpf joining us in the studio, and uh, Tanner Klumpf, his brother, will also probably be a part of this, but he's uh, out in orientation right now on his way to uh, Minnesota next year to run in the Big Ten. How'd that happen, though? You're going to play football. This guy's a cross-country guy. That's a little different for twin brothers. 
Yeah, I mean, growing up, we've always kind of had our different things. Yeah. And so he was always good at running, and I was I just like playing football and uh, you know basketball and baseball actually. And I didn't really get into track until high school, and so I ended up being pretty decent at that. Just kind of happened to be, and so we just always did our own thing. And so he was good at running, and I was good at football. And then I know we just both did really successful, and I think. Uh, just how we were raised and our our work ethic that our parents gave us, you know, I think it just helped us become successful. Now, so. what what would go worse, Tanner trying to play safety or Drew trying to run the thirty two hundred meters? I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think both would be pretty bad. I, think I tried both would be pretty bad. Yeah, I tried running like he was going to go four miles, and jeez, that sounds uh, awful. I went with him. And I was feeling it like, honestly, like my lungs weren't bad, but my, my body was just getting sore. And so I backed off after the 5K and I don't know, I think it both wouldn't go very great. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. You can get the wind right, but it, you probably weigh so much more than him. It's just the pounding on your joints yeah, and I mean, your my, feet hurting my and everything. My feet were killing me and my calves were tightening up. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how he does it. It's so funny how athleticism like that works. True Clump in studio. It's the Senior Spotlight presented by Blaine McElmurray and McElmurray Holmes. McElmurray Homes, your go-to custom home builders in Montana, as well as proud supporters of high school athletics across the great treasure state. Uh, basketball was interesting for you guys this year because a little up and down for Sentinel, but that was sort of the only thing that you guys didn't just dominate. So what did you learn from the basketball season? It must be kind of weird to be state champions and then you know kind of fighting to get in the state tournament and then state champions again. What did you learn from maybe the, the non-dominance of hoops? Yeah, I mean, basketball, I think we were just, a, at least the senior class, we were just a bunch of guys that were football players that enjoyed basketball. See, that's exactly what Chase Williams said. He said, this is a bunch of dudes playing their second or third best sports, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think we all just enjoyed it, but we weren't necessarily very skilled at it, and so we could rebound and play defense. <laughs> really good could, rebounding team, yeah, for sure. couldn't shoot threes very well. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, you learn to lose graciously in those games and, you know, Take what experiences you can from it. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, of course you want to win, and we won the games you could, but, you know, it's you can't be good at everything. Exactly. Well, it's always, it's always good to compete, be involved in something. Let's talk football then. Uh, this run, an epic one, one of the great runs in the history of high school football in Montana, particularly by a Missoula team. How are you guys able to put it together? Because it seemed like this was a long time building for Sentinel as a program, but you guys were the ones that really – punched through and took it over the top, winning two state titles. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just the work Coach O put in and all those coaches. I mean, they were, we were always so prepared for anything that came our way, game plan-wise. And I think the players, I mean, just freshman year up and even before that, everybody worked so hard to get to where we everyone knew what they were doing. Everybody trusted each other. We were all, we were all friends outside of football. Like, I don't think anybody disliked anybody else and so I th we were all just friends and we were friendly and we were, we built a really good bond with each other and I think that just helped us persevere through everything this football season well, then you get to take that success that learned success onto the next level and you get to rejoin with a bunch of your old teammates and carry on with a couple of the guys that were in your class as well so what'd you like about the opportunity with the Grizzlies and uh, that must be pretty cool for you a Missoula guy getting to go play football at Montana yeah I mean just playing here was a dream I had as a kid. I mean, I've been in the North End Zone since I was born, so watching those games, it'll be interesting to be on the sideline and uh, seeing that firsthand. So I'm just super excited to be a part of it. Well, congratulations. It's a great time for you. Very, I'm sure your parents are just so proud of you and your brother. And uh, congratulations on the opportunity at the next level as well. Last thing for you, what's between uh, now and when you go to fall camp? Anything you got planned for the summer? Um, you know, I start lifting with the Grizz soon, and so uh, I got a lot of work and hit the lake on the weekends and hopefully spend a lot of time up there, too, so I'm excited. Drew Clough, Missoula Sentinel, one of our senior spotlight subjects. He's headed to Montana to play football next year. Thanks for being here, man. This was fun. Thank you. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. What's going on the rest of the week? How about one of the all-time Big Sky Conference legends in studio tomorrow? We'll let you know who right after this. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. The advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. 
For additional information on other types of cases that the advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. He's the one is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Great show, great line of interviews for you. Missed anything in the show, you can find all of our NBA discussion, NBA draft, NFL, Austin Green, our scouting and NBA draft insider, Andrew Clough, Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by Sports Bet Montana, as well as the advocates. Rajim Seabrook's been riding with me hey. all day. And uh, tomorrow, we'll be back at it. No show Friday, but tomorrow, a star-studded lineup of guests. Robin Selvig, Lady Grizz legend, will kick off our Around the Big Sky Women's Hoops Where Are They Now series with a distinct Title IX angle. Krista Redpath uh, co-hosting this series with me, so that'll be hour number one tomorrow. We also have our great friend, the chick who doesn't know sports, you, Carolyn, uh, hanging out with us, and Jeff Safford, the voice of the Missoula Paddleheads. We'll be back at it tomorrow at 4 p.m. In the meantime, have a wonderful evening. And, Rajim, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, man. I love you. I honor you. I respect you. Let's go, baby. We'll see you tomorrow, 4 p.m. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Bobcat fans, support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.